0: high in the air Brito back at the wall adios palanta Welcome to episode 138 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I am here with Andy Baggerly. Just a few minutes ago, Dwayne Kuyper released a statement uh, about uh, he's going to be missing a few more Giants broadcasts than usual because of uh, chemotherapy treatment. And it would feel weird to start a podcast without acknowledging that and and offering our best wishes to Dwayne Kuyper, who is I mean, just such a part of Giants baseball, just such we talked about, it, I think, in the last podcast that he's just such a big part of the enjoyment of Giants baseball. So, you know, he says he's staying positive for a quick and full recovery. And that's what we can hope for and send our wishes for. And uh, we, we do wish him well.
2: Yeah, boy, this is just a gut punch to read this because, you know, Crew and Kite players come and go and, you know, the team will ebb and flow. But I mean... There's such a part of, of what it means to, to follow the Giants or be a Giants fan and, and and throw in Dave Fleming and John Miller as well by the way oh by the way, there's also one of the best young broadcasters in the country and, and a Hall of Famer besides Crook and Kike but I mean it's 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 just the Giants broadcast crew is maybe the, the strongest part of the entire organization. And I had this thought earlier this year, put Kruk and Kype in the Hall of Fame, put them in together. I know they can't do that, but do it anyway, because the speech alone would be the greatest speech in Hall of Fame history. It's not just who they are, it's who they are together. I mean, it's like, yeah, boy, this is just really hard. This is hard to process.
0: I have always been of the opinion that the Giants have had the best broadcasting uh, radio and, and telecast crew in, in the country, in the game. And I'm not enough of a student of history to go back. And I can't tell you, you know, the, the glory days of, you know, I don't know, the 1973 Phillies, you know, and, and whatever the the broadcast team was for this team and this date and this era. I just can't imagine it being better. I'm a homer. I'm biased. I grew up with Kruko and Kuiper and and later Miller and Fleming. and, it, and So I'm biased. They're my soundtrack to baseball. At the same time it can't get better. You know what I mean? It's like, it just feels like this is watching Mays and McCovey for decades. And it's just, it's such a part of, of Giants baseball. It's Mays and McCovey for the ears.
2: Yeah, it, it is. And it's, you know, something that I've always appreciated, but never more so than the last, you know, year plus when I'm watching games on TV and covering them off TV and listening to crew and Kite more than any other year. And you know, one thing that they've done in the broadcasts is they're transparent. If they're calling it from San Francisco and the game is in Arizona and they don't have a camera angle, they'll just let you know, okay, well we don't have a feed to show you that. The other thing they they've mentioned many times last year when they were broadcasting in an empty ballpark with cardboard cutouts, is just how much they miss the fans. You know, we miss you, we look forward to having you back here. And that's the connection. It's the game, it's always about the game and about the players, but it's mostly about the fans and uh, i don't think they ever lose sight of that their compass is always pointing sort of true north in that direction and that's what makes them so good
0: yeah and one thing i always think about and it's just something that sticks in my head is that the giants in let's see the 1970s they had a young excellent third baseman second baseman uh, named bill madlock And he was a perennial batting title contender. Uh, He won four batting titles in his career. He was just one of the best players in his absolute prime. And the Giants traded him in 1979 for, uh, you know, a handful of of magic beans. They did not get value back. Madlock went on to be an all-star with the Pirates, helped them win a, a title in 1979. It was a very, very awful trade. However, that trade brought over Al Holland and Ed Whitson, who eventually separately in different trades became Mike Kruko and Dwayne Kuyper. And I'm always fascinated by the idea that if the Giants don't make one of the dumbest trades of the entire 1970s, they don't have Kruko and Kuyper. Like, that became magically the best trade a franchise could ever make. Because the odds against them being in the same booth together are non-existent without that trade. I always think of that.
2: It's just cool to think of how they've just become such good friends over the years, more than anything else, whether it was broadcasting, or I almost like to think that even if they didn't become Giants broadcasters, they still would have found a way to become best friends. Um, (laughs) And you have that sense that uh, whether it's Kruk and some of his uh, turns of phrase, or the fact that Kype is just so funny, but also so dry at times. I mean, they play perfectly off each other, and you can just imagine that they're watching a game, you know, from the dugout while they're still playing, Um, you know, wearing their satin jackets or whatever they were wearing in 1982. So, yeah, let's just keep a a good thought and and hope that uh, medical science does what it's supposed to do and and Kipe gets uh, back to the booth and, and is able to do what he loves.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's still going to be, he he said he's going to still, he plans to announce games. Uh, He's still planning to call a lot of the games in the 2021 season. He'll he'll just miss more than usual. All we can do is, you know, root for medical science and, uh, uh, you know, go medical science team. All right, but let's talk about happier things. Let Let us talk about the current Giants team, which is... Still winning. I mean, I I missed most of this weekend. I was on a, a little mini vacation, and every time I check in, you know, there would be times I would check in uh, on my spotty Wi-Fi and say, "Oh, the Giants are down," and I would think, "Yeah, that they'll probably come back," and they would, like they would, except for Sunday, they would come back, and they, the Cubs came in scorching hot. I think they had won nine of their last ten, and the Giants handled them for the most part. They looked, you know, like a team that had the best record in baseball.
2: Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. On the Sunday game, you know, they made some mistakes. Buster Posey dropped a throw that was not a particularly great throw from Mauricio Dubon and that... Could have forced a you know a run at the plate. You know Buster got thrown out at the plate. Uh, it definitely made some some errors in the field. Johnny Cueto, you know, very pitch around situation threw a middle middle pitch to Patrick Wisdom, who is suddenly <laughs> Dave Kingman circa 1979. I don't know. It had just it was it had a monster series. Uh, St. Mary's product. There's a lot of things you could pick at and be like, oh boy, that was a bummer of a game, but. <laughs> When you lose the chance to sweep a four-game series, you just you have to look in aggregate at, hey, this is a pretty good Cubs team. They're having a really nice season. The Giants just steamrolled them three out of four, and uh, you almost um, don't get as critical as maybe you could be after a loss because there are no losing streaks. That's the most amazing thing. Here we are in June, and their longest losing streak of the season is three games, and they did that once when the Dodgers swept them at home. So they're just putting together good series after good series, And that definitely, you know, sort of allows them to kind of forget about the duds that were mixed in there. I mean, Gabe Kapler was kind of ticked off after the Sunday game. He was asked a question that was sort of a, you know, perspective question on, hey, you know, we're about 60 games in the season. This would be what basically the entirety of last season was. You guys have a lot more wins than 29 What's your overall thought? And he's kind of like, you know what, I, I, I got to be honest. I'm not really in a mood after a tough loss to, to assess where we are in a macro level. He's pissed. He's pissed that they lost, uh, you know, um, game four of a series when they won the first three. And that, that's that's probably a good sign that this is a, a clubhouse, a, a, a roster, a coaching staff, a front office that is pretty relentless with how they go about their business. And that's, uh, I, I think that's, that's a pretty darn good culture and quality to create.
0: Yeah, you have to get greedy. I mean, it's, you can't just think, well, we won three out of four. Let it, let us all pat ourselves on the back. You have to get greedy. You have to go, no, we want that four game sweep. I mean, winning three out of four against the Cubs at home is cool, but you know what's cooler? winning four out of four against the Cubs at home. I mean, it would just be such a statement. Winning the series and winning three games in a row against a team of that quality is a statement in and of itself. But winning four in a row is just another kind of stamp uh, to put on the papers that the Giants are serving to fans all around baseball saying, we're not going away. And they have passed every test so far. You know, it seemed like the, the one test that they failed was that first series against the Dodgers. Other than that, whether it's winning against the Padres uh, taken that second series against the Dodgers, winning against a red-hot Cubs team. They've been thrown a lot of tests early on in the first couple months of the season, and they've passed him. They've passed him with flying colors for the most
2: part. In the meantime, they keep losing people to injury. It's like, how are they doing this exactly? Because now Evan Longoria, and this, this may be the biggest one that they've sustained you know, to date. I mean, Mike Estremke is a really important player, and they're without him right now, but they only expect to be without him for you know two weeks, and, and, and they had him down for you know 10 days earlier this season. But when you lose a guy like Evan Longoria, who is hitting the ball as hard as anybody not named Judge and Stanton in the major leagues, and is playing a pretty darn good defense at third base, and he's out for four to six weeks, at, and who knows? Maybe it's gonna be less, maybe it's gonna be more. It's a weird injury, he, he sprained or dislocated his SC joint, which is where the clavicle connects to the, to the sternum, so it's like way over in the sort of chesty part of the shoulder. It's a weird injury to come back from, and and, and he's he's kind of, well, I haven't gotten the MRI yet, so I don't really know. But yeah, you're going to be without him for a little bit more of an extended period, and uh, he's a pretty critical guy on both sides of the ball. So of all the injuries that they've had to weather thus far, this may be the most important one thus far.
0: Brandon Crawford is. It's easy to forget how gigantic he is of a of a human being. I mean, he's. I guess for a professional athlete, it's not like he's Aaron Judge or anything like that. But he's a big dude. Uh, you remembered that he was a big dude when you saw the replays of that collision, because you know when you're taking a, a run block and an accidental run block from from someone, you forget just how big Crawford is, and he can he can put some lumber on you accidentally, and that was uncomfortable to watch. In the second, you saw Longoria on the ground you knew that it was not good that was not a typical collision or injury and you could just tell from his body language like okay this is gonna be well
2: it's really amazing that you know Brandon Crawford comes out of that without being injured and uh, I talked to him a week ago to prep in advance for a story about uh, his breaking the Giants all-time record for games at shortstop and he's like I don't know if I should be talking about it until I get there I mean something could happen to me (laughs) And so here he's, he's literally uh, tied uh, uh, Travis Jackson in that game on Saturday, and he crashes into Evan Longoria. But, but yeah, Crawford uh, bounces back up, and he's okay. He's not significantly hurt. Just rested uh, as a regular rest day on Sunday. He's expected to start on Tuesday. It's just another reminder that to be the all-time record holder at games played at a position for a franchise that's been around for 138 years you got to be durable. You got to be tough. And uh, this is a guy who was a pretty good quarterback in high school. He'll tell you all about it, by the way. Um, <laughs> and it, it is a good reminder that he could have taken a football path very easily. And he's a guy that, that probably could uh, take some hits and, and have that remarkable ability to just be durable and stay in there. And I don't know if you can really teach that. I don't know what it is, if it's some sort of like uh, next level athleticism where you can just Alter your body at the last possible inst- instant to absorb a-, a blow a little bit better. But whatever it is, Brandon Crawford just finds a way to, to stay on the field and-, and play through what we know have to be a lot of nagging injuries, uh, maybe even more than nagging injuries over the years. But, um, you know, like you said, one guy that you absolutely can't take for granted.
0: Yeah. And when it comes to Longoria, you're right. This is going to be the one of the trickier, if not the trickiest injury the Giants will have to navigate because you turned me on to the NL wins above average by position page on on baseball reference where it just it gives you a nice ranking of the National League or Major League Baseball wins above average by position and right now with Longoria taking the bulk of the plate appearances at third base the Giants are second at wins above average uh, at third base first place is the Rockies which is bizarre on like six levels uh, because they are without Arenado and they are also losing a lot. So I'll have to dig into that. That's really kind of freaky. But the Giants are right up there with the best of the best at the production at third base. It's basically all Longoria. I know that when the Giants signed Tommy Lastella, there was an idea of that being kind of like a strict platoon or, you know, Longoria would sit against the tough righties. But Longoria has been an everyday third baseman for the most part. And he has been I mean, much better than anyone could have expected. Having a career renaissance when he was already coming—you know—it's not like he's been bad with the Giants over the last few years. But this is—he's been so so good on both sides of the ball, and I have no idea how the Giants are going to weather this.
2: Yeah, well, you know, one other reason I think that he's played a lot is that Wilmer Flores has been needed at first base uh, or or second base while Donovan Solano was out. So I think that Flores is probably the guy who would have been seen as maybe the primary backup. Although, you know, if you have a lefty start against a, a tough right-hander and sit Longoria, then, then Lestello would probably be the the guy who would make the most starts. But, you know, that that's going to be a, a challenge for Wilmer Flores because we know at third base there are times he hasn't, you know, looked so great defensively. And um, earlier in the year when he got a couple starts out there, I thought that he was uh, looking a lot better. But it's going to be something to replace Longoria both offensively and defensively. I mean... This is a team that's winning with its pitching and by playing relatively clean in the field, a lot cleaner than I think a lot of us thought they would. So, you know, to give up something in that department is, is you know, pretty significant. So whether it's it's Flores or whoever they use to fill in for the time being, yeah, I think it's going to be almost as important, maybe, maybe more important that uh, that person catches the ball dependably.
1: We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors.
0: Yeah, and uh, this brings us to Tyro Estrada, who is the the player who was called up to replace Longoria on the active roster. I wrote a little bit about him earlier, so I'm sort of familiar with him. But as far as uh, watching him in person, I I don't know him very well. All I know is that he was raking in AAA when the Giants called him up. The Giants got him for cash from the Yankees, so you know it was a, a pretty cagey purchase to shore up that that infield uh, depth. At Sacramento. Do you know a lot about him? I mean, is is he in line to get some of these at bats? I don't know if he will get, you know, the majority of them now that Flores is back, but is he in line for a few starts?
2: I would think so. They'll probably mix him in, you know, maybe not, uh, you know, throw him in an an everyday sort of role, but, you know, he he got a pinch hit appearance uh, on Sunday. Uh, just to, you know, sort of, I guess, get some butterflies out. He, he's a guy who played a little bit with the Yankees in 2020. He had 52 plate appearances spread across 26 games. So he was, you know, with them for, for a good chunk of the season. And then he, he played in 35 games in 2019 as well. Uh, still only 25. A guy in the minor leagues, uh, you know, didn't hit for a lot of power, but, um, you know, could could work a walk and, and uh, had pretty good contact skills, Not not a lot of strikeouts. So, you know, yeah, it's, he's got a little bit of speed, but uh, hasn't always been a base stealer per se. He had quite a few caught stealings uh, in, in, the, in the minor leagues as well. So, yeah, I, I'd imagine that they'll use him um, uh, to get some matchups early on. And, um, you know, he is a guy who's a right-handed hitter. So, you know, maybe try to find a good lefty to, to ease him in and then sort of just see what they've got. He's fast. I watched him on the base paths the other day, and he definitely, he definitely has a motor, so that's a positive. More athleticism on the roster is always a good thing. And like you said, they you know, they targeted him for depth, and it's one of the things that they knew they needed coming out of spring training. And then I was talking to Scott Harris, Giants GM, on uh, Friday, I guess, and we ran a Q&A on The Athletic. You can find it there. And uh, he said, I said, "Are you excited about like the next level of depth that we haven't seen yet? Whether it's a Tyro strata at AAA, or uh, this was before he was called up, obviously, or a Matt Frisbee, or you know a Sam Long, or or, or even some of the people at Double A and uh, who are moving up through the system?" And and he got this look in his eye that was kind of like almost maniacal, and he said, absolutely. <laughs> he said, Farhan and I have a almost irrational obsession with depth, and they'll text each other at 2 in the morning about some AA reliever in somebody else's farm system. And they even, this sickness goes as far as to, if they try to acquire a depth piece from another organization, and they fail, but then that depth piece goes somewhere else, and that person has success, they kind of get giddy about the validation that their that their evaluation was right on someone they didn't acquire it uh, sort of reinforces what they're evaluating and, and what their processes are. So it's that relentlessness that, we, that I talked about earlier in the clubhouse. This front office definitely has that as well, and it's almost like they wake up every day and they think to ourselves they think to themselves, okay, we have a team that's good enough. You know, we have this position covered. We don't need to worry about this. But if I make this one move to get this one guy. And make this one extra text message. Maybe that's the person who is going to, you know, come up big in a situation to win the one game that we need to win the division. And you don't ever feel like you want to leave anything on the table. And uh, and clearly, that's the way that this front office operates. They 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 almost uh, are, are in constant FOMO mode that they're afraid of of the one move that they don't make.
0: It is to the point where when I have the the MLB trade rumors app. And when I get a notification for player X has been designated for assignment by the Orioles or by the Mariners, I immediately click through and go, okay, let's see what this guy's all about. Because you just know that the Giants are doing that, too. They're they're looking at this player and going, well, what if? And recently they just traded for Sam Delaplane from the Mariners. And he's a very, very interesting prospect with strikeout rate through the roof. There's just the tiny technicality that he had Tommy John surgery a couple months ago, but the Mariners didn't want to pay him the money that would go to a player on the 40-man roster. The Giants took advantage of that. The Giants are more than willing to pay him his his salary and hope that next year he can return to that high strikeout uh, pitcher that that he's been in the past. And that's what they're doing. They're looking, they're thinking for about next year. They're thinking about this year. They're thinking about three years from now. I mean, obviously every team is doing that to some degree, but it really seems like the Giants are playing like different chessboards in Central Park. You know, they're, they're hopping from, from from board to board, from game to game and, and, and really kind of approaching it different ways.
2: Yeah. I'm looking at Sam Delaplane and he was in Seattle system. 2019 is the last time he pitched and, uh, between Arkansas and Modesto. So that's, uh, what would be high a Cal league at the time and double a, he had 120 strikeouts in 68 and two thirds innings and 23 walks. So that kind of tells you just wipe everything else off of the guy's bio. And, uh, That's a player that the Giants would like to have in their system. And they're going to have to pay him major league money on the 60-day injured list. Um, That's, you know, not nothing. If you prorate that out from this point forward, it's probably going to be something like $400,000. So, hey, you know, good for you, Sam Delaplane. You you get to make a $400,000 salary to rehab this year. I would take that. I don't know what all goes into the arm exercises, but I would do them to make $400,000. But anyway, you know, he's a guy that that, that may be an interesting person and may not, but he's someone that they can input in their system and all it costs them is, you know, $400,000 essentially. So, yeah, why not? It's almost like, you know, wh- why not invest that? And, and it doesn't even have to be someone that strikes out Miguel Cabrera to clinch a World Series for it to be worth it. I mean, it could be someone that they that they use to flip in a trade to get something else that they need. So um, you can always use prospects uh, in that regard, too. Well,
0: now that we're talking about the depth, and one thing that stuck out to stuck out to me over the weekend was that the Giants didn't just designate Nick Tropiano, somewhat surprisingly, but they designated Scott Casimir, also somewhat surprisingly. So that's two starting pitchers who, you know, have started games, who could have been a part of that depth, who, with Logan Webb's shoulder still being a concern, maybe they would have liked to keep them around. If my math is right, and it usually isn't, uh, I think... I think they have 39 on the 40-man roster so what's what's the game here how are they going to keep that starting pitching depth where they want it
2: yeah it's a good question i mean they i think the way they're lining up the rotation for this road trip coming up in texas uh, alex wood's going to start the first game in their tba for the second game uh, they're bumping back uh, Anthony DeSclafani. Di Didn't really give a reason for that, uh, but he's going to pitch the first game in Washington, D.C., against the Nationals. And they could bring back Alex Wood to pitch the, the last game of that four-game series, uh, and he'd be on regular rest. So they, they can use the off day to you know, shorten up the rotation a little bit this next turn through. Uh, but they still have a TBA game to get through, and I'm really curious to see what they're going to do. You know, Scott Kazmir, you're right. It, it was uh, The timing was was really unfortunate. Susan Slusser had the story about why he went on the restricted list. I guess his, his best friend passed away. So, you know, condolences to to Scott and to uh, to the family of, of his friend. Uh, I guess he had some sort of infection and, and then was gone very suddenly. So, yeah, really, really tough news to, to hear. So maybe he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish and said, OK, look, I'm, I'm going to make one more start and then that's it. I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time thinking that the Giants were calloused about this. I'm sure a lot of thought was put into it, and there are some other reasons for it. But uh, it's one less starting uh, option. And uh, Shun Yamaguchi was another guy that, that, coming out of spring training, you thought could be a starting pitcher for them at some point. And he's uh, gone back to Japan. So um, uh, I don't know if he had an opt-out, but he was released so he could go back to Japan. I think he's he might sign with Yomiuri again. So that really makes me think that we're going to see Matt Frisbee probably in the big leagues uh, before too long. We might see Sam Long in the big leagues before too long. Uh, You know, the Giants are gonna be testing that depth and testing that depth and testing it some more because we still have 100 games plus to play.
0: That is sort of what I was getting at next was, is it going to be like a hello kind of kind of move where you get a, a Sam Long or a, a Matt Frisbee, or is it going to be, am I overthinking this? And it's just, it's John Brebbia, you know, John Brebbia is ready. He he's on the 60 day IL at some point, he's going to get back on the, the active roster uh, at some point. And it, it's got to be sooner rather than later. So maybe it's Brebbia or Tyler Beattie, you know, same situation there. Is that, is it going to be like a hello kind of move? Or is it, going to be more procedural like, like it is with the 60-day IL guys?
2: I would imagine it would be procedural. I mean, they have a lot of guys on that 60-day injured list. And, you know, Tommy Lastella will come off at some point, too, and he's on the 60-day as well. So, yeah, they're going to need those spots. And uh, and Beattie, it's uh, it's a little too bad he's had a hiccup in his um, rehab starts and and uh, and was having some command issues and and, and walking some people. You know, I, I think the Giants are, are, aren't going to wait around to bring Tyler Beatty back, but they also, knowing how much they value the ability to throw strikes and get ahead and and not work long innings or beat yourself with walks. If a pitcher is struggling in that department, I I don't think they're going to rush him up to the big leagues. So I think ideally Beattie would have been a candidate to step in and start that second game in Texas, but uh, I kind of have a hunch that they, they want him to iron some stuff out first.
0: Yeah, uh, Roger Munter, who does an excellent job uh, covering the Giants minor leagues uh, with his newsletter, always points out that it's the last thing to come back after Tommy John surgery is usually fastball command. For whatever reason, that's been what uh, pitchers who have gone through the process have said. I think it was you who said it. it's almost like pitching with someone else's arm. You know, it's just like a weird sort of ramping back and that that's the last thing to come back. And Beattie didn't necessarily have the greatest fastball command to begin with. So having lower expectations for BD as far as how he can really help the 2021 Giants, I think lower expectations are better. At the same time, it really is a major league quality arm and he's getting strikeouts in AAA. So the Giants, are it's tempting to bring him back. Maybe it might be too soon, but I, I would see that the Giants want to bring him back sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, and you know what? One guy we haven't talked about yet but really had a very nice series against the Cubs is Connor Menez. I mean, he came in a couple of big spots and, and got a couple strikeouts, including Patrick Wisdom, the aforementioned best player in baseball. So um, uh, with the bases loaded, we're, uh, we're quite, you know, struggled to, to to get him out. So Connor Menez is a guy who could be used either as maybe a multi-inning opener or a guy who could get stretched out a little bit and be a nice input in uh, – a staff game, uh, and you know, because the Giants aren't opposed to to having a game that they throw out of their bullpen and, and feeling like they can win that kind of game. They feel like they've got enough quality arms uh, and quality bearded relievers uh, to be to be able to um, to give themselves a decent shot. And 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 you know, they they also feel they've got the kind of offense that is not ill-equipped or unequipped to to win maybe eight to seven if they need to and uh, you know again Longoria being out is a is a big one Yastrzemski out is, is uh, hurts them but you know we haven't seen Alex Dickerson get really hot yet and who knows maybe this is the road trip where Alex Dickerson you know drives in 12 runs in, in 6 games we'll just have to see
0: I'm looking at the injured list for the position players. And right now you have Kirk Casale, Darren Ruff, Brandon Belt, Evan Longoria, Tommy LaStella, Jalen Davis, and Mike Yastrzemski. That's not a bad lineup. I would take that lineup (laughs) over like the 2000, I don't know, 17 Giants. I I think that's a better lineup than the Giants would have thrown out there a few years ago.
2: Yeah. And Belt should be active, if not the first game in Texas, then for sure by Washington. But they they feel he's pretty close and... uh, They obviously don't want to rush him back after he's had uh, that side issue tighten up on him a couple times already, but I think we'll probably see him back in the mix sooner rather than later too.
0: All right, this has been episode 138 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. When we come back, we will know what in the heck the Giants did against the Rangers. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you then.